Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter uh, 10, and I'll get there in a moment. But first, I, I want to, uh, just making a point each week, is to pray over our founding pastor. I mean, praying over our, our apostle of our house who established this church, him and Miss Carolyn. And, and so they were in Africa, and um, Joe and uh, Eric are still in Africa. They're on their way home here in a couple of days. Dr. Svell had to come home. He had to take care of some things. And, uh, and, and so, but he'll be, uh, doing things at the office this week and he'll be ministering in a couple of places next week and that following week. And then he heads to Europe, uh, after that. So let's lift Dr. Savell and Ms. Carolyn up. Father, we just thank you for our apostle of this house. And we thank you, Father, for the gift that he is into our lives. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for your hand upon them, strengthen them, empower them, equip, equipping them. We declare that they are always in the right place at the right time, doing the right things with the right people. And Father, we as a church are standing in agreement, Father, that he is stepping into the fullness of what you've called him to do. Father, we thank you that they're healed and hold and strengthened from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Father, we thank you for all the revelations that must come to him right now for us, for this church and for the body of Christ. We thank you that, that you're prospering as a way, you're directing them. We thank you that Jerry Savelle's ministry is international, is expanding, increasing in every way. We thank you, Father, for all that you're doing in their lives and through their lives and how, how lives are being impacted and changed by the word that's coming forth out of this ministry. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Dr. Sedell, Ms. Carolyn, if you're, if you're watching, we love you. We appreciate you. And thank you for your faithfulness for 50, 51 years. Amen. Amen. February 11th is when he got born again. It'll be 51 years. So it's a couple of days. It's his, his birthday when he got born again and 51 years uh, in the ministry. Hallelujah. God is faithful. Amen. I thank you. That, I thank you guys because there's some faithful people in this house. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. George and Tilly, stand up. <laughs> Faithful people. They oversee our chariots of light. This is, we, we do our biker weekend is always the second weekend of the month and they have their Bible study this Tuesday at, uh, Spring Creek and, and, uh, but I, I just, as I, as I just saw you over there, I just, I just want, I'm just speaking promotion over you. Come here, just tell me for a moment. I, I, I just, just sent some sister to pray for you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Just take her hand. Oh, Father, I just thank you for your hand upon this family. I speak strength over them. I declare they're coming up in every area of their lives. I thank you for healing in their bodies, strengthening them. I thank you for promotion, spiritually but naturally. I call forth everything that they're designing. As they've been faithful, Lord, I just thank you that your faithfulness will continue to be poured out in their lives. Not just spiritually, but naturally. Thank you, Father, for their heart for souls, their heart for seeing, seeing people born again. I thank you, Father. Father, just stepping into promotion to, to be able to do what's really in his heart to do. Financial pro promotion so you can really do what's in your heart to do. And that is to love on people and see people brought from darkness to light. 
We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you, Father. So we have been talking about simplify. What does simplify mean? It means to reduce down to the basic essentials. Because I believe it's important because the prophetic word that we're standing on as a church and I'm standing on, we're standing on as a family is that 2020 God is opening a new door and bringing about supernatural increase like never before. So my role as a pastor is to pastor us, to lead us in the areas in our lives that may be hindering supernatural increase from being a reality in our lives because you can sow your seed, you can, you can do all the things in the natural and, but yet, yet there's things that may be hindering us and, and really limiting us in our lives from all that God wants to accomplish. Because if our lives are so busy and our lives are so cluttered, will we see the open door? And I'm looking forward to February 23rd when Dr. Bell's back with us and he's going to talk to us about being sensitive and how to be sensitive to that door. But as a pastor, my thing is, is, is there's times in my life where I know God wanted to do things and God wanted to take my life in a different direction. But because I was so busy, I was so busy with the daily tasks. I was so busy with things that had to get accomplished. I was just so busy with being pulled from this direction and that direction and allowing my life to be life to be cluttered with so many things that don't even, don't even pertain to God or the kingdom of God that, 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 that I, I miss Maybe the things that God wants to do in my life or the wisdom that he's trying to speak to me, the direction he's trying to take me. So last week I started bringing up this aspect in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 10. And it says this, if the iron be blunt and he does not wet the edge, then must he put put to more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. The Amplified says If the axe is dull and the man does not wet the edge, he must put forth more strength, but wisdom helps him to succeed. You know, brought brought our axe back. Thank you, Alan, for for the axe. (laughs) Unless the, if the iron is blunt, meaning the axe has a purpose. The axe is, is designed with a specific Purpose is meant to accomplish a task. But you know what? You're created to accomplish the task. You know that scripture that we see a lot on coffee mugs and calendars and cards? For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans of peace and not evil to give you hope and your final outcome. That word thoughts is where we get our Hebrew word thoughts is where we get our English word machine. And what does a machine do? A machine accomplishes something. It has a purpose. So when God says, I know the thoughts that I have towards you, he's saying, I know what you are. I know who you are. And I know what you're meant to accomplish. So it's the same. This, this, this axe has an intent. But you know what? If this axe is dull, it will never reach the fullness of what it's meant to do. And so the thing is, is you can, you, you, you may be called to change something. You may be called to invent something. You may be, you may be called to change how things happen in society and how things are done. And, and, and God wants to pour wisdom into you that can totally change a whole group of people. But yet if you're, if you, you are, con- if you're dull, 
You'll never be able to be the effective person that you were created to be. If I'm dull, I won't be the pastor that I'm really called to be. If, if I'm dull in my life, I won't be the husband I'm meant to be or the, 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 the pastor, the, the father I'm called to be if I'm dull. So, so the thing is, is, is we get so busy in life that we get dull. And instead of, instead of sharpening, what we do is we just kept hit, hitting it harder. You know, cause it says, if you don't sharpen the axe, you're going to have to put forth more strength. And see, a lot of times in life, we're just doing more things, 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 doing more things. And all of a sudden you wonder why you're just, you have no energy. You're fatigued in life. You have no direction. You have no purpose. You don't know where to go in life. You don't know how you, and and you're questioning, why is my husband like that? Why is my wife like that? How come my kids don't do this? How come this, how come God, God, how come you're not moving? God, how come you're not doing anything? God, how come you haven't changed this yet? But you know what? God's not the problem. The issue is the person that has the axe. And he says, if he may, if he doesn't wet the edge and the word wet here means to shine. It means to polish. It means to make sharp. So how to do that is wetting W H E T T I N G and wetting means to rub against a surface to make sharp. And this is what we dealt with last week. So So it's what you're rubbing against. It's what you're connecting with. It's what you're spending your time with. It's who you're hanging out with. It's who you're listening to. It's what you're watching. That's affecting either how dull you become or how sharp you become. So that's why simplify. Who are you with? Because it's who you're with. That's when they determine how effective you are in life. Who you're with. It just, they also brought me a little axe too. I got a little, it's a little baby axe. It's, see, but you know, it doesn't matter what size the axe is. It's the fact, it's the, to the effect is, is it sharp to accomplish its purpose? And the same thing with you, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've gone through. The thing is, is what are you rubbing against today? And by you choosing to be here this morning, you are choosing to put yourself in an environment to become sharp, to become changed. I don't know about you, but I, I want to be sharp. I want to be the best. I want to be exactly what God's called me to be. you, Father. And just the, the aspect of who are you with? I, and I brought this out last week, and I'm, then I'll get into some new stuff. Remember in Psalms 1, it says, blessed is the man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor does he stand in the way of sinners, nor does he seat, sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and that law does he meditate day and night. And when he meditates in the law or the word day and night, it said he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. His leaf shall not wither. And it says, whatever he does shall prosper. That sounds like increase to me. So the blessed man's increase had everything to do 
with where he was hanging out. Because it's blessed man that doesn't walk this way. So we can say cursed is the man that does. So who you're hanging out with and what you watch, what you listen, has everything to do with how effective you're going to be in life. And we talked about Jesus in John 15. And he said, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done to you. And he goes, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So becoming sharp had everything to do with where you're hanging out and connecting with the word, rubbing against the word. See, this word is meant to transform you. This word is meant to change you. Now let's go to Proverbs chapter four, Proverbs four. I want to stay on this aspect of the word. Because in, in the world, one of the biggest things that the enemy is out to do to, is to steal the word. See, the enemy wants to steal the word. That's what it says in Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4 Matthew chapter 13, Luke chapter 18, that the, that the enemy comes immediately to steal the word. Why? Why does he come immediately? Because he knows if that word gets into your heart, you're going to bring forth fruit in your life. See, he, the enemy is out for the word. And, and if you're, and I'm, you have to be cautious because the, the world in a subtle way will always try to devalue this. The news, movies, shows, different things. It's, yeah, they just believe this old Bible, a bunch of fairy tales and fables and things that don't make sense. You know, it's not, you know, it's not really the word of God. Get behind me, Satan. I'm telling you, this is this word that you're holding in your life. Think about it. It was written over a 1500 year period of time by 40 different authors from different parts, different parts of areas from different times. But yet it still connects together over 600 and some prophecies fulfilled. I mean, you know. People don't understand. Now think about this, the, the validity of this word. People understand the principle of, of evaporation. You know, you know, rain comes back up, rains again. Well, you know, scientists say that was discovered in 1764 by a Swedish man. But, but yet in the book of Job that was written 3,400 years before that tells us that the rain came down and the rain went back up to water the earth again. So evaporation was actually discovered in the writings of Job 3,400 years before the Swedish professor discovered it in 1764 or 34. Because the word of God is powerful. I, I can show you how it talked about gravity before gravity was discovered. And, and it's found in the word of God. So don't every, anyone try to discount this being God's word. In, in Proverbs chapter 4. It says, hear ye children the instructions of a father and attend to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law, for I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also. He taught me. The father taught me also and said to me, let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. 
Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee to honor when you embrace her. She shall give thee thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory, shall deliver to thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. Now, it's interesting, he, he's talking here, he talks about the father, the instructions of a father. He's, he's, he's talking about, now, a father and son is a relationship. This is relational, Richard. He's saying, receive the instructions of a father. Get connected with the words of a father. Get connected with the wisdom of the father. Get connected with the instructions of a father. Get, get connected with the ways of a father. Cause see, when you get, when you get connected with the father's words, then you're getting connected to the father's ways. See, this is relational. What, what, what are you rubbing against? What are you connecting with? And here we're hearing in from the, from the, the Solomon writing in this proverb, he's talking about the instructions of his relationship with a father. Then he goes down for the sake of time, and there's so much good information in here. He says, my son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto thy sayings. The word incline means to lean towards. It means give way to. It means give permission to. Incline your ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? For they are life unto those that find them and health to all your flesh. Now think about that. My son intend. Now the father is giving some more instructions and he's trying to get across to the son how important his words are. How important what he's saying is and how valuable what he's saying. He's saying attend to them. Attend means to make priority to. Attend to my words. Make them a part of your life. Make them a valuable treasure in your life. Attend to my words. Make, make sure they're before your eyes. Make sure they're continue going into your ears. Give them a position and a place in your life. So as I get connected to the words of a father, it's going to cause me to know what the father's knows. And it says, incline your ear, lean towards, meaning, what does that mean? I value what you're saying. You know, as, as husbands and wives, you have a lot of time, we have a lot of time to work on our communication, right? And see, my, my wife doesn't want me to have the TV going and watching the TV while she's talking. No, she wants me to lean towards her. She wants me to look towards her. What does that mean? It means I'm saying what you're saying matters. So it's valuable. See, I do hear you, honey, when, when you say (laughs) all the wives should say, amen, pastor. I said, (laughs) 
So lean towards, meaning I'm giving it a position and a place in my life because what the Father's saying matters. Now, then he says this, why is it so important that I incline? Why is it so important? Now, I want you to see this. I want, I'm going to have someone verify this for me. Richard, come on for a minute. Now, this word, it's life. Why is it important that I incline my ear? Why is it important that I attend to these words? Because it tells me it's life unto those that find them. And it's health to all their flesh. Now, now look at this. Now, see, that's Proverbs, right? Mm-hmm. And 422 is a scripture, right? Yes. Okay, so what's one of the definitions? Refreshment. Okay, Refreshment. That's, that's one of the Hebrew words for the word life. It's, it's refreshment. Now, now go look at this. Now, this is all in the same, same check. This is exactly what the word life means in this scripture, okay? Prosperity. Welfare. Welfare. Happiness. So all that, if you, if you look at this, if you look at in the Hebrew and the Greek lex, or Hebrew lexicon, this word life here means refreshment. It means prosperity. It means welfare. And it means happiness. So when I incline my ear to his saying, say, saying, and I attend to his word, what happens? It says, it says, it says, it's why do I do it? Because it's life. It's prosperity to me. It's welfare to me. It's refreshment to me. It's happiness to me. So when I get into the father's word, when I get a hold of the father's word, it's life to me. It does something on the inside of me. It does something in me. You have to understand Hebrews chapter 4, 12 says that the word of God is quick and it's alive. The word, it says God's word is quick and alive and it's sharper than the two-edged sword. It divides between soul and spirit, joint and marrow and the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So, so what does it mean? Is this word is going to cut in between what's me and what's God? So when I get into this word is alive, meaning as I get into this word and I look at this word, it's going to reveal the things I need to remove and the things that I need to hold to. Why? Because his word is alive. His word is living. If you have your Bible, your phone, whatever it is, hold it up like this and say, this word is alive. And this word is life to me. Amen. You see, so when we do this word, it's life. It's prosperity. It's welfare. It's happiness. It's refreshment to me. Meaning it does something on the inside of me. You know, in uh, 2008, I was uh, preparing for a message on a Wednesday night. And, and uh, some of you have heard, heard me share this before. But I believe it's, it's such a key to what I'm dealing with this morning about the word. And the, the Holy Spirit spoke something to me. I was about to come out. And so I was praying over a few things. And, and the Holy Spirit proposed a question to me in my, in my, in my heart. I'd say I heard an audible voice. But in here, as I was praying, I heard this question. He goes, Justin, what's the, what is the biggest problem in the world today? I was like, you're asking me? <laughs> Am I supposed to have the answer to this? He's like, well, what, what's the biggest? And I'm thinking, okay, is it this? Is it, is it that? Is it, what, what's, what's this problem? What, 
what is the biggest problem in the world today? And, and all, of, all of us, even in this place here right now, we could, we could try to think of, well, that, that's a problem. Yeah, that's a big problem. Yeah. And we could say, well, that's a, that's, a, that's a big problem. And this is a big problem. And they're the problem. And that's the problem. And, and we could think, what's the big problem? And, and, and I'm like, Lord, I, I have no clue. And he spoke this when he goes, Justin, the biggest problem in the world today is deficit. It's like deficit. I was like, well, I had to look up the word deficit. What does deficit mean? I don't, it kind of had an idea, but it means lack or shortage. And he goes, the biggest problem in the world today is lack. The biggest problem is shortage. And then he went on to speak to me. He goes, there's a deficit of love. There's a deficit of kindness. There's a deficit of wisdom. There's a deficit of peace. There's a deficit of joy. There's a deficit of goodness. There's a deficit of self-control. There's a deficit of revelation. There's a deficit of faith. But he said, Justin, really the number one problem is there's a deficit of the word of God. You see, there's a deficit of all those things, not because there's a deficit of all those things because there's a deficit of the word of God. Because the thing, think about it. We would, none of us would be here today if we didn't have this. Think about it. The blood of Jesus cleanses me from all unrighteousness. How would I know that? How, how would, how could I be, how could I believe for that? If the the word says that, that his desire for me, that, that, that the John was saying, my desire is that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. And if all scripture is God breathed and inspired by, by, by that, by God, then then I'm just saying it's God's desire for me to prosper and be in health, even as my soul prospers. If I didn't have the word, would I know that God really wants me to prosper in my life? No. First Peter chapter one twenty two tells us we are born again, not of corruptible seed. Meaning, I'm not born again because of because of a something that had. Uh, a, a, I'm not born again with something that is incorruptible, but but I'm born again by some by a, a incorruptible seed. I'm born again, not, not of corruptible. I mean, something that's corruptible has defects. But it says, I'm born again of a incorruptible seed. And it tells us what that seed is. The word of God. So we would not even be born again if we didn't have the word. There's a deficit of love because there's a deficit of the word of God in men's and women's hearts. There's a deficit of peace because there's a deficit of the word. There's a deficit of joy because there's a deficit of the word. You know, in my life, if there's been any lack in my life, it's never been God's issue. It's always been, let me find out what God says about it. The word. Ecclesiastes 8.4 says, where the word of a king is, there's power. Where the word of a king is, there's power. See, this word is life to me. It's life to me. And really what I, I, my heart as your pastor is to just depositing on the inside of us is such a renewed hunger for this. 
I want you to be hungry for this. I want you to be able to lean towards this. I want you to, when you wake up in the morning, that you're like, I, I, I just need, I just want to read a couple scriptures. I, I just want to hear what my father is saying to me today. I want to, I want to attend to my father's words. I, I, because see, as I'm attending to my father's word, I'm getting sharpened. I, I'm getting sharpened. You know, if we look at the life of Jesus, Jesus had such a heartbeat after his father's word. Man, he knew the scriptures. He spent time in the scriptures. Even when he came out of the wilderness in Luke chapter 4, it said, as, as his custom was. It tells us, he goes, as his custom was, it was handed to him the book of Isaiah the prophet. So he was reading his father's word. He was reading the law of God, the prophets. Even, even when he rose from the dead and he's, he's on, he's on the, the road, uh, the road to Emmaus and he's, and he's on that road and, and he's, he's talking with those with him and they don't know who he is. And, and all of a sudden they're talking about, didn't, didn't, you know, didn't you see what, all this thing that happened in, in, in Jerusalem and all these things that happened? And, and, and he was like, well, what, what's going on? You're like, where have you been, dude? What's going on? And, and, and it said, all of a sudden it said he started, he started in Genesis. And he went all through the law and the prophets talking of himself in scriptures. And all of a sudden, as you know, a little more time went by, he stopped with them and he, he broke bread. And, and as he broke bread, it said he disappeared from them. And it said, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us in the way? What was he talking about? He was talking about Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Revelations. He was talking about the prophets. He was talking about himself. He was talking about the word. And as he was talking about the word, it said, didn't our hearts burn Within us. Jesus loved the word. He valued his father's word. He valued what we would call the logos word. The written word. This is the logos word. The logos word. And, and but Jesus spent so much time with his word that he found himself in it. He, he, he spent time with his word. He, he spent time with this word. But he spent time with his word in so much that, that as he spent time with his word, he got to know the writer of it. The one that breathed it. See, as you spend time with this Logos word, you're going to get to know the writer of it. God's going to breathe into you who he is, his nature, his character, what he's about. But not as just, see, if you spend time enough in this word and you attend to this word enough, the Logos word will then become what we call a rhema word. See, Logos is, is the written word, but when it becomes all of a sudden a rhema word, now it becomes something that's revealed to you. And all of a sudden is this is what God, it's not just Jesus said, no, this is, this is what God said. And gee, we see it throughout the scriptures, even throughout the book of John. Go to, go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. The last couple of Sundays I've been doing more teaching. Thank you, Father. John 12. 
And while you're turning, turning there, just you can make note of this. In John chapter 7, verse 16, Jesus makes a statement. He, he says, my doctrine isn't mine. My doctrine isn't mine. Remember in Proverbs it said, I bring you, the Father brings good doctrine. And Jesus said, here he said, he said, my doctrine or my teaching, he goes, isn't mine. But my doctrine, my teaching is from him that sent me. If you, if you look at uh, John chapter 8, 28, he says, as my father taught me, I speak these things. Now look, look at John 12, verse 49. For I have not spoken of myself, but the father which sent me. I haven't spoken of myself. I mean, the words that I spoke aren't my words. But the father which sent me. He gave me a commandment or a word, what I should say and what I should speak. Verse 50, and I know that his commandment is life. I know that I know what comes from my father. I know what comes from my father. What he speaks is life to me. Jesus said this. What my father speaks to me is life. How much more? If the word that God spoke to Jesus was life to him, how much should his word to us be life? And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatever I speak, therefore, even as the father said unto me, so I speak. So Jesus was saying, man, his commandment, what he speaks to me is life. So therefore, because of that, I only speak what he speaks because I only want to speak life. See, when you spend time with this word, that's life. You'll start speaking life. Yes, that's it. Yes. We have to spend time with this word so we start speaking life. Speaking prosperity, speaking happiness, speaking peace. And I'm not talking about mind over matter here. I'm talking about where, how this word gets so on the inside of you that it starts changing, it starts changing your actions and your behavior. Thank you, Father. This word is life. It's health to all our flesh. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Say, I'm getting sharper. sharper. (laughs) You see, as you get in this word and you're rubbing against this word, it's wetting you. It's, It's sharpening you. It's making you smooth. You know what? I've been born again now for 27 years and Justin had a whole lot of rough edges. Whole lot of rough. Still do. My wife will tell you. You shouldn't have laughed that that loud. And it's the the word that's going to smooth. Jesus said, my words are spirit and my words are life. Meaning, my, what I speak is life-giving. Yes. What I speak, my words are spirit in their life. My, my words will equip you. My words will transform you. My words will give you life. Yes. 
And, 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 and I just want you to just get a picture of that as you're, as you're, you're, you're in the word that all of a sudden it's, it's transformed you. I don't think the same way I thought 27 years ago. Oh my goodness. Oh goodness. I don't, I don't think the same way I thought when I first started pastoring. Wow. You know, I was, I was, you know, preparing and just was praying over the, this message. And I, and I was just thinking about how I'm not the same person because of the word. And as that, that old song we used to sing where I, where, where I grew up, you know, he's still working on me. <laughs> uh, he makes me what I ought to be. He made the, what the moon, sun and the stars, something, Jupiter and Mars. He's still working on me. He's still working on me. But working on you is not some sort of osmosis practice. It's not like, it's not like, okay, I'm, I came to church today and I heard him. That's part of it. Yeah. You're, you're hearing things, but what you're hearing in church today is value this. It's not osmosis of my mom was a Christian. So therefore I must be sharp because no, it's, it's what are you rubbing against in your life? His word, Jesus, my words are spirit in their life. Thank you, Father. Romans chapter 10. Thank you, Father, for your word. Verse 10. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith. What says? For the scripture says, whosoever believes on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew or the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls upon the Lord shall be saved. The word saved could also be transformed. It could be changed. It could be healed. It could be made whole. It could be delivered. Brought to safety. Whoever calls upon the Lord shall be saved. But verse 14 says, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Meaning, you're never, Deborah, you're never going to cry out for change until a word's been preached. Why is it important for the gospel to be preached? Because his word is spirit and life. And when you release his word, all of a sudden now when someone hears it, if they receive it, and we may get into that next week, whoever calls on the Lord shall be saved. But they're not going to call if they haven't heard. You're not going to stand for what's yours unless you've heard. You're not going to believe for something that you haven't seen in the word. You're not going to say, that's mine. If someone hasn't preached it to you. 
Verse 15, and how shall they hear without a preacher except they be, verse 14 again, how then should they call on him who has not believed and how shall they believe in whom they've not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher and how shall they preach except they be sent as is written, how beautiful are the feet upon them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I'm preaching good doctrine this morning. I'm preaching good things this morning. Every time this, that, that, that someone is in this pulpit, they're preaching good tidings of good things. Why? I'm preaching the word of God. Why? Because God wants you to receive his word so you can receive what he has for you. So you can possess what's rightfully yours. So you can walk what's in rightfully, rightfully yours. So when Dr. Savelle stood up and declared 2020, God is opening a new door. And bring about supernatural increase like never before. How, how are we going to receive what his heart is for us if it's not declared first? So I receive that life-giving word into my life. That 2020, I'm going to see supernatural increase in my life. But I believe it's up to each one of us. It's not earning it with God. It's not earning supernatural increase. It's not, it's a settled promise. It's a done deal. It's established. It's, so what I need to do is get into this word and allow it to sharpen me. I need to allow it to knock things off my life, to add things to my life. So all of a sudden I'm starting to make God kind of decisions. I'm starting to hear God kind of wisdom that is going to, like the word says, I will lead you in the way that you should go. And as he leads me in the way that I should go, supernatural increase is coming into my life. But too often we just, we hear a prophetic word. We just sit back and say, man, I sowed my seed. I released my faith, but yet you're not pursuing God, not pursuing the word, getting direction and receiving. Telling you the word, the word, who are you with? I'm with the word. I'm with the word. I'm with the word. I'm holding on to the prophetic word. I'm holding on to the written word. I'm holding on to this. And I'm telling you, it is sharpening me. I'm telling you, as, as we continue throughout this through 2020, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> because the whole point of why do we need to get sharp? It's so we. Thank you, Father. And how did you. I, I want to get sharper in my life because I want to make a greater impact. Yes. Yes. I don't want to, Lord, so Justin, you're, you're trying to reap a great harvest with a dull instrument. Yes. Hallelujah. I'm the instrument. You're the instrument. Hallelujah. There's a great harvest that needs to be reaped. There's a great harvest that needs to be brought in. But how's it be brought in? By each one of us. Becoming that threshing instrument, each one of us, to go into all the world and preach the gospel, the word. And your life is a living epistle. It's a living word. So allow this word to shape you. And close with this thought, without turning there. Jeremiah 23, 29, you can make note of that. Thank you, Father. It tells us about God's word. And he says, God says, my word is like a fire. And he says, my word is like a hammer. I love it. He says, my word is like a fire. 
and my word is like a hammer. And as I was, I was reading, I was just thinking about the old blacksmiths and how they would take swords and they'd put them over a fire and they'd heat it up and, and they would take that hammer and they would beat it. They'd beat it and they'd shape it. And, that, and that's how they would, they, they would beat it and shape it into the sword. And then all of a sudden they're now taking iron, sharpening iron. And, and what they're doing is they're making it sharper and sharper. And, and so I was just getting a picture of, in my own life and getting a picture in, in the life of heritage that, that his word is like a fire and his word is like a hammer. And as his word is going into us this year, and as, as we're getting into the word ourselves, and as we're going over the word and meditating the word, every time we're getting into it, he's, he's beating things, not, not, not violent. I'm not talking about violence. I'm not beating it. I'm talking about there's things that, that he's shaping you. The hammer was meant to shape you. It's not to destroy you. It's to shape you. To strengthen you. And that's what his word does. As they temper the, as they temper that metal and they temper that, temper that iron with certain amount of heat, the more they heat it, the more they do certain things, the stronger, the impurities get out to where that iron becomes stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Hallelujah. Let's value this word. Let's attend to this word. Let's lean into this word. Why? Because it's life. Unto those that find them in health, all, all our flesh, every part of us. This word is working in me. This word is working in you. That's why starting last Sunday, getting into the book of John every, every day, a chapter every day. Today, you you should have read John chapter seven. Every day, reading a, reading a chapter in the book of John. Hallelujah. And as you do. It's going to, your eyes are going to see things. You're going to, it's going to say, yeah. And next thing you know, when you enter into a situation and you're like where you used to respond one way, all of a sudden now it's just like you have this little voice down the inside of you. Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. What? The word's working. Why? Because he wants to prosper you. Stand to your feet. Oh, thank you for your word today. Oh, thank you for your word today. Just, just lift your hands and just, just start thanking him for his word today. Oh, Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, Father, that your word is working in us. Your word is prospering us. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you for your word today. We thank you for your word today. Oh, thank you, Father. Mm. We thank you for your word today. Place, Father, place within each one of us a hunger. Well, my prayer as their pastor is, if they're not hungry for the word, Lord, that you would give them a heart to know you. I thank you, Lord, if there's hard hearts here this morning. I thank you, according to Ezekiel, I thank you that you... Turn their hard hearts into hearts of flesh. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. That we would value your word. 
We'd value your word like we would value our next breath. Not to become more religious, not to become holier than thou, not to say, I know this or I know that. No, just so, so we know you. So we know you. So we look like you. We talk like you. We act like you. We walk like you. We touch like you. We speak like you. We, Father, that there would be no deficit in us. Why? Because we have no deficit of the word in us. Say this after me. He's still working in me. He's making me what I ought to be. Thank you, Father. If if you're here this morning and you have a, I don't necessarily, the only way I can say is maybe a heart murmur, but there's something with your heart. That's irregular. If that's you, I just want you to stand right here. Tony, you can keep it. You can keep it right there. Hallelujah. And you may have a you may have a child that has something that's going on, and they might not be. They might be in their class. Well, you want, I want you to come up for them. Ten thirty eight said he went about he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. He went about he went about doing good. He went about he did. Doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Now think about it. He went about doing good. Now I want to read a scripture to you in Revelations. And this is Jesus speaking in chapter 2. It says, Under the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things. Saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. Now to know what's being, because everything's type and shadows here, the seven golden candlesticks are the seven churches he's about to talk to. So it tells us that he is walking in the midst of the churches. Jesus said, was walking in the midst of the churches and he said, he goes, you know, you, you, I see this about you and this is great. And he said, but you've left your first love. And so Jesus is going down and he's speaking to each one of them here. But what, what I, what I wanted you to see and what came of my heart is, 
Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And here it says in book of Revelations, he's in the church and he said he's walking in the midst of the church. Jesus said in Matthew 18, he says, where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of us. So, Father, I thank you for ministering life to this heart. From the top of her head to the soles of her feet. In Jesus' name. Touch her, Jesus. Touch her, Jesus. Mm. I'm not going to lay hands on you today. I'm just going to do what I see in my heart. In Jesus' name. Oh, Father, I thank you for working in her. From the top of her head to the soles of her feet, restoring her in every way. Touch her, Jesus. Life. Life. Refreshment. Refresh her heart. I speak refreshing over her heart. Refreshing. I speak for divine order. Divine order. Hallelujah. Touch her, Jesus. Touch her, Jesus. Your power and your presence touch them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Restoring and making new. Just each one of you, just breathe in deeply. Go. Jesus. Oh, Father, I thank you for this gentleman. And Father, touch him, Jesus. Place your hand on his heart right now. Sense there's almost like a, I could be wrong, there's some of you that are sitting up here, it's almost like you sense like a burning in your chest. That's the healing anointing. sort of ailment or anything you're standing for, just right where you're standing, just lift your hands.
Touch them, Jesus. We magnify you in this place. What does it mean to magnify? It means to make it bigger. And right now, as I lift my hands, I I make you bigger than cancer. I make you bigger than any disease. I make you bigger than diabetes. I make you bigger than acid reflux. I make you bigger. I declare that you are bigger than divorce. You are bigger than addiction. You're bigger than any torment. You're bigger than. And Jesus, as you're walking up and down every aisle, I say, touch them, Father. Touch them. Touch them. Quicken them in the name of Jesus. And give them peace. Peace. You're bigger than a UTI. You're bigger. You're bigger. You're bigger than loneliness. You're bigger than a sense of rejection. You're bigger than any failure or mistake. You're bigger than. So I magnify you above everything. hinder this church family and those watching by way of internet. Jesus, touch them in their homes. Touch them while they're in their car. Touch them. Those watching right now. see this today. Give him a shout of praise. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If I have our Thrive Group leaders come forward real quick, we're about to dismiss. But if there's something specific you need prayer for, prayer of agreement of anything, our, our Thrive leaders will be up here. Um, next Sunday is Thrive Group weekend. So I encourage you, there's anything that we can come to agreement and praying over you, we'd love to. Hallelujah. I encourage you to be here on Wednesday nights as our time of corporate prayer and getting the word. We also have uh, all our children's departments and we have youth services on those nights as well. Make yourself available to those times. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you want to get connected to the church, we have connect class tonight. Make sure you sign up in the lobby. Other than that, love you. God bless. Have a great week.